Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. Thanks for being here and listening. And just in case we haven't met yet, my name's Chandra, and I'm your host, and I am actually Julie, really excited to talk with you and share some insights from my favorite book of the year. I've declared it my book of the year, and I really want to give you some tips from the book on how you can use just some of the fantastic information in the book to help you make career change, to do work that you love, and potentially to start your own thing. Because I really love working with particularly women who are at a point of having been successful in their career, but are ready to move into doing their own thing, whatever that is. And perhaps there's a little bit of fear and uncertainty about how to go about doing that. They're some of my favorite people to work with. But first off, the book is called Atomic Habits by an excellent man called James Clear. And it has a, a subheadline which says, uh, An easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. And I don't know if it needs to be said or not, but I loved this book. Loved it, loved it. I want to read it again and again. It is probably one of the books that is the most dog-eared, as in like just doing that little page corner turn down when I want to go back and revisit something. It's underlined, there's asterisks everywhere, there's little notes down the side. (laughs) I just had so many great takeouts reading this book and so I really want to go and revisit it again. If I could, I would probably just, in fact, just read you the whole book, (laughs) but uh, I think there's another service that's kind of out there that reads books to you, Uh, so I won't do that because they've got that covered. Uh, But instead, I do want to just share a few key takeouts from the book and look at how you can apply them to your situation, especially if you have been maybe thinking about making some sort of significant career change and haven't been able to get things happening as fast as you might want them to yet. Now, you might be wondering why or how a book about habits is going to help you make career change. And if you are wondering that question, then I'm glad that you asked. Uh, Because one of the things about this book that I really, really like is that James doesn't tell you just here's the steps to create or or change a habit. He does talk about that, but he also talks about how habits actually work or don't work and how you can actually leverage them to create the outcomes that you really want in order to be the person that you want to be. And once you make that sort of link about that overlay of who you're being and what you're doing, I just think that it really helps to sort of shift things up a notch. And it gives you, I think, 
more of a sense of control and influence over what you do do and what you don't do. There's also a lot of what he talks about in the book that just reiterates, in my opinion, the coach training that I have had around human development and performance. And it really applies across pretty much every aspect of your life, whatever kind of habits you want to create in any area of your life. And so whilst the book is great for that kind of broad application, I'm in this episode mainly going to share the tips and then share some thoughts about how you can apply it to a situation where you're wanting to create career change towards doing something for work that feels more meaningful and fulfilling to you in a sustainable way doing things now that actually are going to help you to create, you know, the sort of future and future life that you actually want to live. And because that's what I believe in, that's what I'm really passionate about for myself and helping other people to do and achieve. One of the things that James says uh, in the book, he says, building habits in the present allows you to do more of what you want in the future. So James and I, we're on the same page. It's so funny, isn't it, when you refer to an author by their first name. It's like we're mates. Um, I have not as yet met or spoken to James, but I am a fan. Uh, so I shall refer to him as James through the episode. And I hope that you are okay with that. And if he ever hears this episode, uh, James, I hope you're cool with that too. <laughs> a little story. Uh, I spoke this week at a small workshop sort of event for women in leadership. It was a really informal group. It was sort of, uh, uh, I guess, like a panel. It was meant to be a panel discussion, but it ended up being more like a practical, workshoppy, riffing, conversational learning session. And because it was a small group, it actually allowed us to connect a bit more with the people that were in the room. And one of the women that was in that group that I spoke with, she's currently working full time in a, in a pretty busy job, but she is aiming to one day in, what do you call those, uh, quote brackets or quote things, parentheses, is that what they're called? Anyway, one day to move into her own business, helping wildlife and organizations that support wildlife. And she is very passionate about this as an idea and as a future direction that she wants to go in. But she hasn't really been able to flesh it out enough to start making any kind of moves or any kind of real plans yet. And so it seems like it's a long way off for her. But I believe that by applying some of the ideas in this book, in Atomic Habits, that she would be able to start to make inroads towards that direction that she wants to get to a lot faster than she might have thought. Because you don't have to see the whole road. You don't have to see every single step. In fact, most times you can't see all the steps, but you just need to get started. And so... Today, in this episode, we're going to have a look at how you can leverage a couple of the ideas from Atopic Habits into creating your career change. So the question for you is, have you thought about wanting to make a career change, maybe into doing your own thing, but not got very much farther past the early thinking, daydreaming kind of stage? Because that's where a lot of people kind of stay and if that's you, you're not alone. There actually also seems to be a lot of people who think that the number of 
people starting to do their own thing, either as their main source of income, their main work, or as a side thing along with a more structured employee situation is only going to increase that more and more people are going to see this as something that they want to do or need to do. So this is a good time for you to be thinking about what's next for you and how you can keep stepping up into that. But let's get into atomic habits. And I want to start with sharing his definitions of atomic and habit, because that's kind of how he starts the book. Atomic, he's got two definitions. One, An extremely small amount of a thing, the single irreducible unit of a larger system. Hmm. And the second definition that he has there for atomic is the source of immense energy or power. I like it, especially when you then couple those definitions with habit. And so his definition of habit is a routine or practice performed regularly, an automatic response to a specific situation. So when you kind of marry those two things up, you get something really powerful. So I think we keep that in mind as we go through the rest of this episode. So with those definitions in mind, uh, I'm not going to just read the book. That would be interesting. Page one. Uh, No, it wouldn't be interesting. I think that would be what do you call it? Copyright? Plagiarism? One of them. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, But there are three core sort of elements or extracts that I want to pull out and share with you because I think that they work really well as little takeaways that you can sort of play with, ponder and apply to your situation. And I really do highly recommend that you go and get your own copy of the book so that you can dog ear it, underline it, highlight it, asterisk it absolutely to your heart's content as I have because there's so much value in this book for anyone who wants to, I guess, step up and be a leader in their own life and to create the sort of life that they want to and not just wait to see what shows up. So this these three core elements. First one that I want to share with you is that he talks about habits as being something that both reflect and form your sense of your own identity. And he also talks about that your habits compound. So when you think about small things, small actions done repeatedly, that's where you see that compounding effect of uh, what you do becoming who you are. And I think one of the quotes actually from the book is he says, ultimately, your habits matter because they help you become the type of person you wish to be. They are the channel through which you develop your deepest belief about yourself. Quite literally, you become your habits. That is underlined in my book with a dog ear to make sure I can find the page. Although with so many dog ears, it does get a bit tricky. I love that little extract because it just reflects back that what you do is who you are being and that this is about reflecting back how you see yourself. And there's a whole, you know, multiple little sub chapters where he explores what he means by identity, how it plays out, uh, how most people approach creating habits 
in the wrong way, that the strongest place for you to start to create habits is actually from your sense of identity, the type of person that you see yourself as being now and the type of person you want to be in the future. And so when we apply those sort of concepts to making career change, to potentially doing your own thing, this is a really, really big one. And identity work is something that I do with my private coaching clients and as part of my CEOU coaching model, because if you see yourself at an identity level as being an employee, or if you see yourself as being the role that you currently hold, so how you talk about who you are is through reference of what you do for your job, then it's going to be increasingly difficult for you to make consistent change towards being and doing something else. Because when you try to create change that's in conflict with how you identify yourself, it's, it's just not going to work. You won't do the things that you need to do. There's too much of a conflict. But this is a common time where people can often overlap their identity with what they do for work and they wonder why they can't make a change. So any change has got to start at the identity level of you as a person and how you see yourself and not as seeing yourself as your role or your industry. But you do need to give yourself evidence of the person that you are becoming because that helps you to upgrade the current perception and belief that you have about who you are, which is formed based on or because of what you've done in the past and so far. And that evidence, that evidence of who you're becoming comes in the form of you taking new actions and new creating new habits. And I get that that little nugget might need a little bit of um, chewing over or reflecting on, but this is about you know, you thinking about who's the type of person that you are wanting to be? How do you see yourself now and in the future? And how do you start to give yourself evidence of being that person or becoming that person in the future? He also talks about the importance and the influence of pride in creating change. And I found that really fascinating. Uh, He talked about that the more pride you have in a certain area of your life or aspect of yourself, the more likely you are to build the habits that you need to create in order to create the outcome that you want. So from a work context, if you're someone who really takes pride in doing work that is appreciated, that makes a difference or an impact in some way to other people, then that can actually help you create habits to move you forwards, to move you towards doing more work like that. It also explains a lot about how the discomfort can kick in when you're in a work situation where you no longer feel proud of what you're doing and what you're contributing to. That's really common reason and catalyst for people to make some sort of change. Um, some examples that he gave about the, you know identity level and habit forming and how that can change your identity is one that he gives of himself that when he was younger, he regarded that uh, he was a bit of an average writer. He didn't consider himself as a writer and he shares that neither did his teachers. He didn't think that they would say that he was a, a particularly great writer either. But when he started out with this as you know his profession and the direction he wanted to go, he committed to and it regularly published 
an article twice a week. And in doing that, he gave himself the evidence and the building evidence that he was being a writer because he was doing the things that writers do. And that's what can create the shift in your identity that helps you with the habits that you need to create to become the person that you need to become. And interestingly, I had a conversation with uh, my mentor yesterday and in the conversation, I said something about not seeing myself as being in, in business or not seeing myself as a business owner. And it was kind of odd. He, he reflected it back to me and asked some questions around that, which is what's great about having a coach or, or a mentor because they can reflect back things that you say to help you decide whether that is something that's helping you or not. Um, but, and when he reflected back, I, I remember thinking, oh, that's really kind of odd because I have worked for myself for five years and, you know, they say that that most businesses fail in the first 18 months. So to be five years in self-employed and then looking at, well, what would things have to look like or what would have to happen for me to see myself as being in business? And it was really interesting. And part of that revealed back to me that there's potentially some old remnants still of that old identity of me. And so... This whole identity upgrade is not a one-time task. You need to be reviewing and upgrading, exploring your beliefs any time that you want to get to a, a new level in your results in any aspect of your life. And you've got to remember the compounding effect that every small action that you take in the direction of who you want to become is a vote for the future you that you want to be. And every small action that you take that commits you to staying where you are or doing something that you don't want to do anymore is actually you voting to say, yeah, I'm just going to keep doing that old thing. The thing is, you don't necessarily see or feel the impact of maybe a small one percenter change in action or habit that you're starting to create but the cumulative effect of them is what creates your results and your life. So that's, I guess, one, one chunk of thoughts and insights from the book that I wanted to share. Okay, takeout or core element, whatever you want to call it, number two, is where he talks about in the book breaking down how habits actually work. And he maps out and it builds on his work, builds on other people's work, so he's you know, not necessarily um, groundbreaking in this, but there's some elements of it that I really like where he talks about the four steps in how habits actually happen. And so the steps are a cue, a craving, a response, and a reward. So step one of any habit is the cue, and that is where there's some kind of trigger that you see or engage with to do something, do a certain thing, a certain behavior, take a certain action or step to get some sort of benefit or reward. Your brain is like constantly searching in your environment, anything around you for any clues about where a potential reward might be. And this links to, you know, pretty, I guess, prehistoric days where we, you know, food was scarce and all those kinds of things. So that's why your brain is like almost like a little radar of just looking for any kind of trigger that will get you to do something because you think you're going to get something good if you do it. 
Step two is the craving. And this is the motivational force to actually do the thing that will give you the reward that you think that you're going to get or you want from that. So the cue might be there, but it's not enough necessarily on its own to get you to do it. There has to be a connection to a a craving because there's lots of cues everywhere. So for example, um, one that he gives in the book is that you don't want to necessarily clean your teeth but you do want the feeling of a clean mouth or you don't actually really want necessarily to turn the tv on you want what's on the other side of that you want to be entertained or you want to be relaxed which is what you think that you're going to get if you do the thing and so this is this craving element is very individualized because not everybody responds to cues in the same way A smoker, for example, responds differently to the smell of cigarette smoke to a non-smoker. The sound of slot machines triggers a different kind of craving in a gambler, for example. Step three is the response. So this is the actual habit. This is the behavior. This is the thought. This is the action. This is the, the habit itself that you would observe that's a habit. This will also vary from person to person based on a whole lot of factors, including the level of motivation to get the reward and do do the thing to get it and capability. So you might see things that make you want to do something to get the result, but if you're not physically capable of doing it, then it's going to not necessarily work. So there's a whole level of... Um, evolution into your ability to do the task to get the reward that might build up over time but the response is the actual habit and the fourth step is the reward so this is the end goal this is actually what the whole habit is all about this is to satisfy the craving and to give your brain more information about whether this activity this behavior was worth it or not? Did you get the little dopamine hit that you were wanting or expecting? And depending on how satisfying the reward is, it will give your brain information to say, yeah, next time do that thing again because it feels good or or whatever the story is that I don't know how, if your brain talks to you like that, but I'm pretty sure that's how mine does. So they're the four steps of how habits actually work. So when we apply these to creating career change or doing your own thing, This is where you want to start to notice some patterns of things that you do repeatedly or automatically already and to be asking yourself whether that is helping you to move towards the change that you want or not. So to be exploring and being curious about what are the moments perhaps where you find yourself thinking about daydreaming, fantasizing about making some kind of change. And what are the moments where you're not just thinking about it, but you're actually taking some sort of action around it versus just thinking about it? You can also explore what actually is the craving for? So this is not going to be about you wanting to do the action that you have to do to get you there. It's about your perception of what you think it would be like to do your own thing, to run this business or to be doing different work. And the more you can build that craving, the more that you'll be likely to notice the cues and opportunities that are there for you to actually do something about it. 
So really the suggestion is to start to get curious about the cues and the cravings first. And then as you start to take some different actions and explore new things, you'll be able to feed the reward center in your brain, which will build in more cues and triggers around you as you do it again. The third little takeout from the book, and I say little, so not little, but the third bit that I want to share is where uh, James Clear shares his four habit laws. And so he's got these four things that he says that, that we should all do in order to help us to create new habits. And he says, importantly, that you can also flip these laws to stop doing a habit that you want to change. So the four habit laws are make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy and make it satisfying. So again, if we apply these thoughts, these laws to making significant career change, this is where you start to build in some sort of leverage, something to help you make some changes because otherwise time will just keep drifting by. And, you know, if you've been thinking about doing something different for work for a little while and you haven't quite made enough steps yet for where you'd like to be or you're not sure yet, then you will know that the time just keeps drifting by. We're approaching Christmas 2019 at the time of this recording. And so another year is gone. We're about to go into 2020 and time will keep drifting unless you do something different. So for example, a client that I'm working with um, recently shared that she had been really unhappy in her role for quite some time. And she kept negotiating with herself that she would uh, give it a little bit more time. And the last negotiation that she did with herself was that she said, uh, I'm going to give it just one year, one more year. And in that time, I'll figure out what I want to do next. I'll make my plan, get everything in place. And, you know, funnily enough, that is exactly what I told myself all those years ago when I uh, left my job in radio. I said I I was going to give myself another year, but then something in me snapped and said, no, that's, you know, I I don't want to keep doing that. I'm just kidding myself. But anyway, back to this client, she was still so immersed in her role and what she was doing and what was expected of her. And she was still delivering to a really high standard in her role and getting things done. She'd be so immersed in that, that she would forget that she actually was wanting to make a change. And she'd surface from some sort of big client project or fire that she had to put out. And then she'd sort of remember, oh, that's right. I'm really not happy here. And I really want to spend some time figuring out what's next for me. So although that might sound a bit odd, even though you think or know that you want something or you need something to be different, it may not be enough to get you actually making different choices than what you're used to doing because you've established these habits of how you work and what you do for work. And this is especially true if you are a high achiever. You love working, but you perhaps have just fallen out of love with what you're doing for work right now. So what are some of the things that you could set up or create for yourself that could help make your career change project something that you can start to take some small, atomic even, steps towards? So questions that you could consider is how could you make it more obvious to you? So, you know, what are the ways that you could remember that this is something that you want? 
Is there something you could put up visually to remind you of that? Second question, how could you make this more attractive? Because this is the part of our human bodies and chemicals that we feed off is this is about dopamine, which can be released when you anticipate a reward that you're going to get or you believe you're going to get as well as when you get it. So it's the anticipation is just as impactful on dopamine as when you actually get the thing. So could you potentially focus on the rewards, the benefits that you believe that you'll get when you do make that career change or you work for yourself, you're on the other side of where you are now? Third question, how could you make it easier for you to take some sort of action? And this is where you've got to remember that repetition is actually where it's at in terms of habit creation. Apparently, it's less about how long it takes to create a habit and it's more about how many repetitions or actions it takes. So how can you get more reps in to take action in the context of you making career change? Can you take an experimental approach of, but then actually get to the point of what are you actually doing about it? Not just thinking about it, not just planning to do it, but what are you actually doing about it? And last question, how could you make it more satisfying when you do actually take action? And this is because as human beings, generally speaking, we are wired to be wanting immediate gratification. That That's the reward bit of anything that we do. It's why we do things. And I am actually a bit of a fan of delayed gratification. But when it comes to habit forming, apparently, it's really important that you build in some kind of immediate gratification when you do do an action in support of the outcome that you want to get to. And this is really important, especially for longer term goals that are going to take you longer to get there. So that question is, what's something that could you do? Could you give yourself to give you some kind of reward and immediate gratification hit when you do do something? Something that steps you towards the kind of future work that you want to be doing. The other approach that you can take with these four questions that might be easier in some ways is to apply those four questions, but apply them to create more habits to streamline what you're doing in your current role and what's taking up your time now. Because if you create some more habits and efficiencies around what you're doing now, that can free up your time and some mental energy to allow you to focus actually more on your career change project. So that could be a way that you approach it. But either way, the more that you can build in these four laws, the more likely you are to get started and to keep taking action, which is what you want. And the opposite is also true, that if you don't do these things, you don't make it obvious and you don't make it attractive and you don't make it easy and you don't make it satisfying, then you're more likely to find that your time will just keep drifting along until you just crack it and resign like one of my clients did recently, even though that was not her plan of how she saw this change happening or going. Or like someone else that I know who started a great new job a year ago, was delivering really good results and just thought that they were sitting pretty and secure, which is what so many people say to me uh, as to why they stay as an employee, because they feel they want that security. But I just think increasingly that's becoming a false sense of security and comfort because you're not in control of that. 
anyway, out of the blue, that person's contract is not being renewed and it's like, oh, thanks for that and see you later. And so that security actually turned out to not be so secure because you never really know what's actually ahead for you, especially when you're not the one that's in control of all the decision making. So I just feel it's always better for you to be on the front foot with your plans because that's actually the only way for you to ever really be secure is for you to be in the driver's seat of your work life and expanding your options on your terms and on your timeline. So they're the three kind of key takeaways out of the book. There's so much more in the book and I probably could have talked for hours, but I, I really want you to go and buy the book for yourself. Not that I'm getting any um, credit from it or anything, but I just really love this book and really think that um, everybody should read it. Um, but there is also one extra tip that I decided I wanted to just briefly share uh, as well as the three key takeaways that I just shared. And this one was actually around staying motivated because – that feels particularly relevant when you're working on something that potentially is going to take longer for you to achieve than you might want it to. And maintaining a sense of possibility and enthusiasm and motivation for longer term goals can be tricky. Um, and so the approach that James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits is the Goldilocks approach, which is to find this the stretch point where it's not too hard, it's not too easy, it's just right. And the science side of it says that you should be looking for actions that stretch you only about 4% beyond your current ability. Um, they do acknowledge that when it comes to life, um, identifying what 4% looks like is not really that viable. But really, it's about you looking for challenges and actions that push you to your edge of your comfort zone or your known space whilst you continue to make enough progress that's beyond that that helps you stay motiv motivated. So when you apply it specifically into the workspace and career change space, don't just leap into the void if you can help it, although I have done that twice and also don't expect to leap straight into a rocking business that replaces your income in two to three months because to be honest although that does sometimes happen it very rarely does so you need to be you know mindful of that the balance point is you want to stretch yourself beyond your current comfort zone whilst you still have some level of comfort zone and familiarity so that you can then stretch yourself a little bit without freaking out and also notice the progress that you're making so that you can keep yourself on that edge of stretching going okay well I've done that what's the next step what's the next step so you're you're stretching those boundaries a little bit at a time and that's why things can take time and longer than you want them to. So I really encourage you to just get started sooner than you feel like you might be ready for. That's my big message. And these are some strategies of how you can potentially do that. That's it for this episode. I really, as in case you haven't gathered, really a big fan of this book. Encourage you to go and get it. Great holiday reading. Uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. I hope that you have a really great week creating maybe some new atomic habits for yourself that will help you do more of what you love in the future. See you next week. 
thanks for listening to the Transit Lounge. If you liked it, please do me a favor and leave a review so I can keep doing more episodes for you. And come and say hi in the private Facebook group, The Transit Lounge, being CEO you in the business of your life. I really look forward to connecting with you there. And until then, do whatever you can to create a future that you will love through the choices you make today.